Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme, joined today by Kyle Porter and Mark Immelman. What a start to the 2020 PGA Tour season today. The Century Tournament of Champions wrapping up after a three-way playoff, with which, Mark, you called going into this. You, on Friday afternoon, said, hey, this is going to end in a playoff. I got a three-way playoff. You had Patrick Reed and Xander in it. You had Patrick Cantlay instead of Justin Thomas. But, boy, you were right on the mark there. What was it that led you into this? Three-way playoff expectation. Uh, look, I was also the guy that said John Rahm was going to make a run. So uh, <laughs> maybe it's a little fortune. But but it's the kind of golf course, especially with a board stacked like that. I looked through the numbers and the golf course was playing receptive. Uh, soft in the fairways and a little firm in the greens. So with the crosswinds and such, uh, I just didn't feel like someone was likely to get away. Uh, and so through 36 holes, uh, I thought it was sort of open season. And so... Uh, um, yeah, it, it was, it was a little fortunate to call three ways. There's been playoffs here before. In fact, Patrick Reed has been in one before en route to his win a few years ago. So I called three. I thought Cantlay would go better. I was surprised at the Saturday offering, but he put together a good Sunday as we, as we've come to expect. But JT, I mean, I, looking back on the whole thing, why I didn't pick him to get into that playoff, I don't know, because the guy was sublime from T3 Green this week. And, and he's been playing really well for a long time now. You look at some of the things Justin Thomas has done. He was top 17 in every event since the Open Championship last year. He won at the BMW, tied third at the Tour Championship, and in the wraparound season, he continued it. Tied fourth at the Safeway Open. He won at the CJ Cup again. Tied fifth at the Hero. He was the point leader in the in the President's Cup, and he really had a, a great handle on this tournament, I thought, after the eighth hole, which to me was the turning point in this event when he made birdie on eight and, and Xander made a bogey, it really seemed to turn the tide. And then he really put a, it seemed to put a fist down with that second shot he hit into number nine. Kyle, when you look at Justin Thomas's performance, uh, I, I think leading up for basically for the, a major, a large majority of this tournament, it was kind of the same stuff we've been seeing for a while out of him. But when we got to the 18th hole, there was something about that hole that gave him a little bit of a hard time and, and basically just delayed our bedtimes by a couple of hours. What do you think happened on 18 for JT? <laughs> yeah, so he goes, he goes birdie, he goes four birdies in a row, eight, nine, 10, 11. And you're like, well, this thing's, I mean, this, I wrote my gamer at that point. It was over, you know, and then he bogeyed 16, which was a little weird. And then 18 was like, what? I just, the second shot into 18 in regulation, like on the 72nd hole, I, I don't even understand what he was trying to do there. Was he trying to like reach the green over the bunker? Did he just overcook it? Like that was so, like you're just, you're missing. I don't know if you guys saw the DJ miss out to the right earlier in the day, but like that's where you're missing. If you're missing it, it was like into the grandstands on the right side. You get the drop like over there. I mean, it, 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 there's just no, feasible reason to miss to the left with a one-shot lead and and that club in your hand I, I I did not understand it but he looked I mean look like I I love JT I think he's awesome I, I think uh I think we've come to expect him to kind of be a killer at the end like to to shut things down and he looked as uncomfortable as I've seen him at the end of a tournament in, in a while and uh I don't know I I don't know if it got in his head a little bit I don't know what was going on there, but it was weird to see, and um, it made for a really dramatic ending into the playoff. There was something about that hole for him this week. But, you know, it's an interesting thing, this Century Tournament of Champions. There is almost, in some aspects, a feeling that this is 
kind of a, a get together, kind of like a hero world challenge, kind of like uh, it, it's not the most meaningful event. You wouldn't expect the pressure to be as high as it would be maybe in the middle of summer, but it definitely looked really high. And all week long, we saw Justin Thomas struggle with the 18th hole. He played it one over for the week, which uh, a par five that is, if not reachable, nearly reachable and a, a very, very wide fairway. It's something you would expect him to do a little better than. I, I, it's hard to imagine he would make two bogeys especially when one of them is with a chance to win the tournament. So I, I found it interesting, too, that he would would make a bogey there. I didn't really think that he had a chance to. And I also thought the tee shot he hit on that hole for the second time of the week, in a normal tournament, if, if this was any other year at this golf course, that, that ball probably gets really close to the penalty area, if not in. So the, the tee shot wasn't any good. And once you're in that position, once you've hit it way left, to me, it, you have an opportunity now to get it way right, like you said. Now you can play this hole the way it's probably designed to play, which is as a, a zigzagging par five. So I, I look at that with uh, some some real questions, but he was able to hang on to win, uh, holding off Patrick Camp. Mark, when you look at, at, I'm sorry, Patrick Reed, when you look at the performance of Patrick Reed, and I know you discussed this a little bit on Friday as well, uh, he was able to get up and down 17 of 19 times over the weekend. What do you think, uh, do you think this is sustainable for Patrick Reed? Do you think that ball striking is something to be concerned with, or do you think he just is that talented around the greens? Uh, you, you know what, honestly, and, and to quickly touch on the Justin Thomas thing, uh, there were conspiring circumstances there for Thomas. You know, he likes to fade the golf ball when under pressure and you've got a heavy wind out the right. Then that fairway is sloping downhill in a big way, and if you're just marginally off with the angle of attack, you're going to hit ground first, and for the good player, that shuts the face down, and all of a sudden that penalty area down the left comes into play. Uh, for Reed, you know, this is like an outlier ball striking-wise because – it's very much like Augusta National. You don't find a level lie on the place. So if your swing's a little off sync or if you're out of control path face-wise or not to get too jargony on you, you know, it can show you up very quickly. Then you add to that the heavy winds that these guys were playing under, ball position gets off, and just all of a sudden, as you well know, you, 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 you can hit the thing in two directions very quickly. So if, if I was Patrick Reed and I was advising him, I'd say, look, man, you did what you needed to do. You didn't come out with a win, but I wouldn't be too concerned with, with the ball striking right now. This is, it's a different golf course in very different conditions. I mean, we had four seasons in a day, almost all four days out there. And so it's, I don't think it's anything too much to be concerned about. I just think it's more the conditions than anything else. And they were very challenging. You heard Xander Shoffley when he got done with his round say, hey, look, this is, it was windy. It was the first word that came out of his mouth in his interview. And it was windy at that. So, um, you know, looking at, at the Patrick Reed performance, when, when you saw him make that putt for birdie on 18 on the 72nd hole in regulation, he was quite a bit ahead of Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley. Did you think that putt meant anything at all? Uh, I honestly thought that putt was ceremonial and like a nice exclamation point on a really good day's work and something you take into uh, golf upcoming here through the uh, early portion of the year. But, you know, little did I think because like we had talked about Friday, um, you've got 15 the par 5, you've got 16 the short 4 uh, with a receptive hole location, 17 is a challenge, but it's a big wide fairway and then 18 is a downhill 5. So, Ordinarily, if you're in the back groups at Kapalua, you have the advantage. But yeah, you have JT stumble his way in with two bogeys and Xander makes a few birdies, but is unable to capitalize on the last hole in regulation. So I think Reed was as much surprised as what we, we all were. And so, yeah, that putt was timely, but I think at the time he was just trying to, you know, earn more FedEx cup points and a few more dollars in the bank account. And, and it looked like he had a real chance to uh, maybe get a solo second place finish. We didn't think anything that, anything like what would end up happening. I mean, I, I certainly wasn't thinking that Justin Thomas was going to make a bogey there, and I, I didn't think Xander Shoffley was going to make a um, was going to make the run that he made either. But you know, when when you get down to it, Xander Shoffley was a player who was up against it all week long, and and um, well, I, I mean, all day long, especially on that back nine. Justin Thomas was making birdie after birdie. And, and Xander was, he, he lost, he basically lost his lead and the tournament felt over for him, but Xander, he held strong and he made three birdies in a row, 13, 14, and 15, got himself right back into contention, uh, and, and basically, 
after all, all said and done, Xander Shoffley gave the tournament away, and it was surprising to see. It's almost like he didn't expect to have that moment where he actually had a putt to win the tournament. It's almost like he wasn't prepared for that. Like he was uh, just kind of scrapping to stay ahead of Patrick Reed. Um, Kyle, when when you looked at Xander hitting the green in regulation, actually twice in a row and three putting that 18th green, uh, are you surprised by that? Do you think there was something? There were just really long putts. What, what do you think caused some of these three putts here on 18? I, I don't know. It, it was strange because it wasn't like, I, I don't know. It's almost like the 18th, everybody was, I mean, JT duffed like a five wood or you hit it like, you know, his dad's like, where's the ball at? You're like, what is going on? It was such a, like the whole thing was so bizarre. And, you know, Xander three putting twice was part of that. It looked like the second on the, on the uh, first playoff hole, the second time he three putted, it looked like that one. He just like, almost like chunked it and and his yeah. ball was his ball was kind of up against the fringe there and that's incredibly easy to do um but the first one i mean i think it was like 43 feet he just he just didn't give himself a great second look there and that was uh, i don't know i mean i think my bigger thing was xander though and this like today i think kind of speaks to the final piece of the puzzle for him I think he gets a little uncomfortable. Speaking of, of JT being uncomfortable, I think Xander gets a little uncomfortable when he's in that kind of pole position, when he's leading on a Saturday night, when he's out in front. He's so good when he's playing from behind. We saw last year he shoots, whatever, 62 to beat Woodland on Sunday here. And it, it just, it feels like a lot of his like T2s or T3s or, or even his wins are from, you know, kind of far back. I, I, I want to see him like go out and be the, be the guy, be the top dog, be the leader and, and close it. Cause we see, we, we've seen that from JT. We've seen it from Rory. We've seen it from John Rahm. We've seen it from all these guys that are top five, top eight players in the world. And I don't know that we've totally seen that from Xander. And so that, that was kind of my big takeaway from him on Sunday. And playing with the lead is a is a different animal than playing from behind. He definitely oh, yeah. has an ability to to freewheel a little bit when he is behind the eight ball and and he's got nothing to lose. You're trailing by five shots to Gary Woodland last year, and it there's nothing there's nothing to lose. You just go just go get it. But all of a sudden the pressure really tightens down, and you have a, a chance to beat a Justin Thomas, and you got to sleep on that lead overnight. And and you're there, there's a roller coaster. Not only is the weather changing and the wind is gusting, and it's a, a as Mark mentioned on Friday, it's a really long walk. There, there's a lot going into this tournament, but you know, then you come down with a, a sudden opportunity to win, and now all of a sudden, all of those little decisions, all of the, that little feel gets tested just that little extra bit more. And you're right, Xander, a player who is in big events, he's really shown up, and, and he's put together some a, a, quite a nice resume in uh, these big tournaments, in major championships, the U.S. Open in particular, winning a tour championship um, and, and winning a world golf championship, which was another one he came from behind to uh, catch Tony Fino in. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe we have to look a little bit closer at some of these big tournaments and how Xander actually gets there rather than just what his resume is. So uh, it, it's something to to watch for for sure but i think xander's going to take something away from this i I think xander is going to go on to a year that we remember as a as a great year for xander shockley this is a a good start i think um he 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 did lose a 54 hole lead which is never a a comfortable feeling but sometimes that's what you need to just spark yourself in the right direction and he's definitely proved to himself he has the game to win um looking forward and, and we'll look forward at all three of these players but looking forward at xander mark when when you look at him going forward for this year do you think he is uh, is ready to win a major championship or do you think there's still some pieces to the puzzle to unlock um well well just just to put a bow on the previous conversation it's a very small sample size if we look at his career thus far i mean he's played three full seasons in the pga tour and so yeah he hasn't closed a 54 hole lead but he's going to get more um does he have the chops to win a major? I believe so. I think he's mentally so acute. His golf swing is really sound and, and he's got a sense for the moment, you know, which is one of those immeasurable things. Um, we, he played well at Augusta National last year, which is a course similar to this. You play from uneven lies and you sort of off balance a lot. We've seen him play well at the Open, uh, championship last year. And so his game travels and, and, and that's the one thing. If you want to win a major, you have to have an all around game. And, and so I feel like he's got what he needs. Um, 
and, and I feel like he's going to get himself into position more often, and then he'll he'll slip the, the 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 thread through the needle kind of thing, and and then he will close out a lead or two. But just something to bear in mind. I mean, he didn't play badly today. He he shot a few under, and he and and he hung in there. JT was making that big run you pointed out, um, but then he makes three in a row on the backside and. You know, scrub if you're doing that sort of thing in the final group. So, I, I think he he's got the chops now. Is that a guarantee to win a major? No, because they're so hard to win. You know, it's there's only four a year, and there's such a deep population of golfers right now. But is 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 he on? Are the odds on his side? I would definitely say yes. And if he was a stock, I'd be buying. Mark, do you, you think? You, oh, go go quick, ahead. Mark, do you think that the 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 comfortability thing, like when you're, cause, cause that's like, I don't know. I, I've never really been in that situation. I, I think you talk to guys and they talk about like the comfort or discomfort of being out in front. I think Rory's talked about that actually, but, um, do you think that that's something that is, can you learn it? Like, can it, does it come over time or is it just something you have or don't have? Uh, you know what, Carl, I've talked to many folks about this and I've taught a few guys that have won major championships and, the truth of it is, I think there's only one guy ever, well, maybe two with Nicholas that have been comfortable in that environment. Everybody yeah. else is massively uncomfortable. And you've got to be able to just le- – you've just got to embrace that uncomfortability, that discomfort, if you will. So I don't think, you know, some golfer – I mean, I don't care who you are. You get on the first tier at Augusta National in the final group there. Um, <laughs> I, you, you're not comfortable. I, the, the, when I was there with my brother in 08 – the guy was white as a sheet as he left the putting green. To walk. <laughs> so it's um, it's it, everyone's uncomfortable. You all know it, um, and you just find a way to somehow you know play your way and survive your way and deal with the adversity through it. So um, yeah, you get yourself in position. You win a few PGA Tour events, but one of those four major championships, those are different deals, man. They really are. And yeah, and and oftentimes I think when the weather's really difficult. That sort of allays some of the discomfort because then you're grinding so hard because of bad weather or tough conditions. So, you know, maybe that's what someone like a, like when my brother won the Masters, the final day was so difficult and the wind was humping and, and the greens were fast and firm. And so it sort of got your mind away from how you were feeling and more just into the grind of the thing. So it's a different thing that no one I think can really ever figure out except for, if you if your name rhymes with Woods or Nicholas or something like that, and, and you know, um, Mark, you bring up some interesting points there. I, I don't think it's ever uh, something that is mastered for sure, and I don't even think Tiger Woods is a player who is truly comfortable in those moments. I think he's just really good when he's uncomfortable, and that's kind of where you're in these situ- high pressure situations time and time again. You get used to being a little uncomfortable. You get used to performing when your hands are shaking or when you're face as white as a ghost, like you said about your brother. You, you just get used to that over time. So uh, Xander, only three years on the PGA Tour, three full seasons, and we feel like he's almost getting close to being a veteran out here because he is in these moments so often and so many times. And I, I think Xander has a really bright season ahead of him. I think he has a bright year ahead of him. Um, and, and I feel the same as with Patrick Reed and, and Justin Thomas. And I want to take a look forward at Patrick Reed and Justin Thomas. Um, but first, I want to take a little break here. I want to hear a word from our sponsors. And when we return, we're going to hear about Justin Thomas and Patrick Reed next. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash first. Again, 
Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out, viore.com slash first, and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we're we're going to get into Justin Thomas here, and uh, Justin Thomas, the winner of the Century Tournament of Champions, uh, the second time that he has won this tournament, and and he gets away in a, a three way playoff. Many times he tried to give this tournament away. And uh, Kyle, when when you look at Justin Thomas going forward this season, what are your expectations for him? Do you think he's a player that this time next year could be number one in the world? For sure. And, you know, I, I wrote, uh, by the way, I picked JT this week, you know, really going out on a limb to pick the favorite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I wrote coming in, I, I thought, hey, this could be another, like, throw down the gauntlet, five wins, another major type year for JT, like he had back in 17. So he wins CJ Cup. I mean, it's the same pattern, right? It's, it's he, it, back in, in uh, well, I guess it was fall of 16, he wins the CIMB. And then he wins here, and then he wins Sony next week. And so this year, he wins CJ Cup, different tournament, same Asian swing. Then he wins here. He'll be the favorite next week. I, I just, I don't know, man. You know, uh, Brendan Porat tweeted this uh, at the end of the tournament uh, on Sunday, and he just said it, it, JT's decade, like the decade of JT begins. And I think that could be, that could be a real thing. 12 wins at his age, I mean... It's it's pretty it's pretty wild and I I almost feel like I know people I don't know I I think I think he gets talked about a lot it feels like he's still a little underrated and and I get it because some of it like go in a Masters go in a U.S. Open whatever but man he is uh you know I I think to go along with it like he he might have I don't know if it's my favorite swing in golf, but it's up there. It's so it's so compact. It's so good. It feels like it's there's nothing that's ever going to go wrong, even though I know stuff does. But man, he's he's feeling it right now, and I really think he could have a long, long extended run uh, at, at at you know in the top two or three in the world. And you, you mentioned his golf swing, which I'm a huge fan of as well. And in fact, the, more specifically, the way that he plays his wedges, uh, when, when he gets around that, basically inside of 150 yards, I think he's the best in the game. I, I don't think I would choose anyone over Justin Thomas with full three-quarter wedge shots. It's just fantastic. Do you realize that the chairman of the Jordan Spieth fan club is on the other end of this line? He's probably going to disagree with you. So, hey, uh, well, hey, look, here, here's the deal, Mark. Here's the thing. <laughs> JT and, and Spieth came into today tied in PGA Tour wins. Tweets. <laughs> they're, they're never going to be tied again because, and look, like I'm still, I'm still on the, the, the standing president of the, of the Spieth fan club, but I just think, I think JT's the guy. I really do. I, 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 I can't disagree. I mean, he played four events in the fall, was 53 under par in four events, and he's 14 under this week. That's 67 under par in five tournaments. He was a superstar at the President's Cup. I mean, he, he was kind of the go-to guy if, if, if Captain Tiger Woods is not playing himself. And, and I, I was, I'm sitting at my desk and I've got a golf ball on my desk signed by Justin and it says 59 on the bottom because when I made the trip across to Hawaii for radio, I called his win at Kapalua and then the follow the following week at the Sony when he shot fifty nine to open. And I tweet I texted him quickly now and I was like, Man, things have changed in just a few years. When he's 
he hadn't had a win on the mainland then. He was still winning off 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 the mainland, and so he's he's just turned into. He's always been a star, but now he's figured himself out. He's added that soft, that controlled wedge, as you point out, to the repertoire. He's got a he's got a stud in Jimmy Johnson on the bag. The council there is fantastic, and and the one thing that I really respect about Justin is he's remained true to his father. You know, there's no chopping and changing because it's an environment where when you're up there, you're looking for every edge. And every edge might be a new instructor or a different theory or change the swing or do this. You know, he's just done what he does, and he does this consistently. And the more he does this, I think confidence grows from consistency. And so there's such a consistent approach, and he's such an easygoing guy. Uh, I think I think he's going to light it up now. I mean, the the car is in drive, and he is driving right now, and and he's just like uh, he, he's just like a number of the top golfers in the world. He plays all manner of golf courses, well, different greens and such, and 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 I think some of these major championship venues this where this this year fit right into his alley the way he hits the golf ball. And there's an interesting little parallel between Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley where they both have worked with their father. They both haven't changed their golf swing. They both kind of have stayed in the same line and they've stayed consistent and they've gotten better at what they do well rather than try to do something different for better. And that's not always an easy thing to, to do. I've, t- I've spoken to some PGA Tour players who say once they get there, they feel like they have to now they have to extend their game to to another level, and and then they start making changes, and then they struggle. And both Xander and Justin Thomas have they haven't done that. And Patrick Reed too, he hasn't really made many changes himself, ironically. But um, I think that's an important thing for JT as well. And his game does travel, and so does Xander's. And and both of these players play well in wind they play well in various conditions and it's just it gives them a tremendous amount of opportunity to succeed so I look at Jordan Spieth and I feel like he's kind of he's stayed with the same coach but he's in a different place and and he's kind of gone through some hurdles and some real downfalls that Justin Thomas just hasn't really had to go through is there any sign I mean is there any sign at all that Justin Thomas could have a, a a hit a slump anything like Jordan Spieth could Jordan Spieth come back could this be close at any point in time well look anything's possible uh, you, you never know injury uh, let's not forget that what was it early last year now I'm getting all mixed up as we turn the the decade Justin Thomas had that wicked wrist injury at the Honda yeah, yeah he missed the PGA championship and you never, so you never know. I mean, I've been close to guys where, you know, everything's going swimmingly and it looks like nothing's going to go wrong. And as Paul Ezinger said to me one day, he goes, it's amazing. When you're playing well, it feels like you'll never play badly again. But then when you're playing badly, it feels like you'll never play well again. And just one thing's going to go wrong and something gets a little off and all of a sudden you're searching. But, but, but the key to the search, I think, is not to start grasping at straws and, even during the injury time for Justin, it never looked like there was any concern. You know, there was never like, oh, I've got to change something. So I think, again, I think the consistent approach that he shows under the counsel of his dad, uh, I mean, that is a recipe for success. So uh, are things likely to go his way all the time? No, because it's golf. But will he deal with the adversity properly? Of that, I am convinced he will. And I do think the counsel of his dad is very important aspect in this. There was during that time that you mentioned when he was injured, he he was sending his dad a, a video on YouTube that he found where, hey, you know, this is a, a great way to improve your iron game. And it was some video that really caught Justin's interest. And he sent it to his dad and his dad said, Justin, uh, your second in strokes can't approach the green. We're not changing a thing. <laughs> and, and it just kind of he said, OK, I guess I'm doing something right. And it kept him grounded, like you said. it. So I, I look at that and I think. A player who has the ability, he hits it, he hits it plenty far off the tee. He's wonderful with the short irons and the wedges. He has a good putting week. He's going to be right there to win every single time. And yeah. I, I think this kind of a year could be a, a five win year for Justin Thomas. Yeah, I did too. And I, I got some stats in front of me. So he, this was his 142nd PJ Tour event. So he's won, uh, 12 times in 142 events, which is, is really good. Uh, Spieth was 11 times. DJ was eight times in his first 142. Uh, Rory was 14 and Tiger, oh. Tiger was 36. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Evening when the guys are like, 
well, well, these youngsters, these youngsters want a part of the big cats, but if he was there, he would have closed this thing out a long time ago. And I was like, gee, it was guys. You know, all these folks, this Twitter storm that's going on all of the time, they, they don't realize how hard the conditions were out there. And so Justin hits one in the bush on the left. Even the greats do that. But you know what? In the end, he still found a way to win. And, and that's one thing that Tiger obviously did prolifically. Yeah. Yeah. And Tiger didn't always take great shots. I think back to the 2005 Masters. We're, we're always uh, we're, we're struck by the shot that he hit on 16, where he holed out. But we forget about the shots that he hit on 17 and 18. The shot he hit on 18 in regulation into the right bunker was an awful shot. And and he would he admits that. So they're, they're, these players just they find a way to win, and they they can win without their best stuff. And I think that's what we saw from Justin Thomas. It, it was it was really impressive to watch. I, I think that that grittiness. That ability to gut it out when when it's not going your way is a really important thing for for your career going forward. Hey, Greg, uh, that shot that Tiger hit before the shot he hit on sixteen. I mean, goodness gracious, right? Hey, Tyron. So yeah, that, that, that's the one thing the greats do, and and Woods was the master at it. You know, if you hit something offline, you find a way to to get by with limited damage, and you keep yourself in the game. And and yes, things kind of went JT's way, but he acknowledged it. He's like, man. I tried my hardest not to win this thing, but it was sort of destiny. I can't remember his words that he used. And so it went his way. And, and, and you know what? The way I look at it, and you'll hear all of them say it's all it is about is about getting yourself into contention for the final nine holes on a PGA Tour event week in and week out. And he's going to be around. And, and the more you're there, it's just probability that's on your side and, and things are going to go his way. And, and I think that wind clip that you referenced, Carl, I think that extends. Now we, we seem to, um, all be in agreement that Justin Thomas is uh, is asserting himself as one of the one of the best players in the world, and his world rank you would say so. But tournaments like this would too. Do you think there's are, are we forgetting about some of these guys that have taken a little bit of time off? Are we forgetting about a uh, Rory McIlroy and a Brooks Kepka who's going through a little injury thing? Or is Justin Thomas um, kind of rising to the top of our radar just because he's playing a lot? Or do you think Justin Thomas is really in that class with the Tiger Woods, a Brooks Kepka, um, players like that? Yeah, of course, of course he is. I mean, look, Tiger is special. We all know that. Rory is a special talent. Uh, Brooks is, is is in a rich vein of form right now. But the the PGA Tour, it's you know, when I've been teaching out there, it's kind of like a revolving door. I mean, I'm in again, out again, in again, out again, and and it's the same thing with form out there. Although you have certain customers that will always be around, like a Woods or a McElroy, even if they're not playing that well. I think Justin Thomas is becoming that guy. Now, is he at the forefront of our minds because the other guys aren't playing? Absolutely. But I'll tell you this for sure. Brooks knows who's just won. Rory knows who's just won. Tiger Woods knows who's just won. And so these guys, I mean, the competition is rampant out there. And I'm sure um, all of them are looking forward to Torrey Pines when we'll see all of them tee it up. It is it is funny because you hear I think I think Paul Isinger said this on the broadcast or uh, it might have been Bones I can't remember but they're talking about somebody being a top five guy and I'm like I, I feel like I've heard eleven guys talked about as top five guys like wh- what's the actual top five and th- it's definitely recency bias right like whoever won in the last week or whatever but I do think I mean I think that. I don't know. I think the top five in the world right now is is a pretty good indicator. It's uh, Brooks, Rory, Rom, and JT, mm-hmm. and then DJ's five. I would I would say my top five is Brooks, Rory, Rom, JT, and Tiger. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I think I I definitely think JT is is within that top five. Um, but again, like. He's also won two of his last whatever five events that he's played, so I guess it's easy to say that right now. It's so funny too because he has won five more tournaments than Brooks Kepka. He just he yeah. just doesn't have quite the major count. So it, yeah, it, it, I think there's a, a real strong debate there, and I, I think it's going to be we are shaping up to have a, a heck of a 2020. Because I, when I hear that list, I, the guy that sticks out to me is obviously Tiger Woods. He sticks out to everybody. I, I just I think Tiger's thing is going to be how often does he play. Because if he's healthy and he's playing, 
I, I believe Tiger's the best in the game. I, I think his game is just as well-rounded as it comes, and he's the, the smartest player, and he, he may not hit it as far, but he's definitely the smartest player and, and the best iron player in the game. Uh, Brooks and, and Rory, I think, are, are a little bit longer. They have a little bit more firepower, but I don't know if they have uh, all the stuff that Tiger does, uh, which is hard to quantify. But I agree. I think JT is definitely right up there with these guys. Yeah, and I think I think Rom too. I don't know if you did. You guys see him putt on eighteen today? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, but that guy's serious desire. I mean, he's finishing down the pack. But but what he 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 powered in from like the eighth hole. So he yeah, had a, yeah. he had a shot today, and he had all these chances that went begging. And when he missed that birdie putt on the last hole, he was livid, man. And that just. Yeah the desire and uh, and i looked at this going oh look out you'll i don't know if he's playing in um at la quinta but he certainly will be at torrey pines and that golf course i've seen pictures and the rough apparently is lush and so it's going to be playing right into his hands and it's a happy hunting ground for him there so his, do you his worry finishes, about his uh oh go go ahead Kai. real quick his finish is going back to the u.s open last year he was T3 at the U.S. Open, and then this is worldwide finishes since the U.S. Open. T2, win, T11, 7th, T3, T5, T13, 2nd, miscut at the Dunhill Links, win, win, 2nd, and then 10th at the at the Tournament of Champions. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Do, do you guys worry about his temper at all? Like you said, he misses a putt, he gets livid. Is that something that concerns you, or do you think that's just, as Mark, you were saying, the desire? Well, he's he's spoken of the fact that he's trying to temper that, but you know he's got that Spanish thing about him. All, all of the Seve, Jose Maria was sort of easygoing. Um, Miguel Echel Jimenez, he can get a little fiery. Garcia, we know he can. That's who they are, and and I'm a firm believer in that you've got to do you under the highest of pressures because um, when the pressure's up, you, you you're not necessarily going to raise to uh, the heights of all heights, but you're going to drop to who you you really are and so if that's John Rahm uh, I'm, I'm fine with him being himself as long as he comports himself well so I, for me I, I think it's awesome I mean I, I called him one time at the Players Championship um, and he was there and he was playing along pretty solid but missing some putts and he had a wedge into the uh, sixth hole he flared out about 25 feet on the green and he took the wedge and just rested it over his shoulders like he's holding it with, with each hand and he bent this thing around his neck. And I looked at him. I'm like, man, you're a man. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and so that's just who he is. And he's not as far as he used to be, but I still think he's got to give up. He mustn't give up any more of that stuff because he's got to be John Rahm. I think there was a moment last year, you speak of the Players' Championship, uh, the 11th hole last year in the final round. He he made, a, I would say, a questionable decision. I think everybody would agree it was a questionable decision from the bunker left of the fairway there. He tried to hit a hook around the tree against the wind. It ends up in the water, probably ended up costing him the championship. And I, I think that moment there uh, really sparked the season and the, the results that Kyle just referenced there with, with all the results we've seen since the U.S. Open. I think it really comes from that moment. I see John Rahm as a player who has learned from that, and uh, I, I think it's something that has developed in his maturity. And I, I think John Rahm, too, is ready for – I mean, here we are. We're cramming this top five with 25 players, but <laughs> I, I think John Rahm's one of these guys that's ready to go. Yeah, I mean – and the you know the next step for so many of these guys just go in a major right him Xander, uh, Cantlay, um, Fleetwood all these guys in the top ten it's like that's the that's the you know one of the only things that they haven't accomplished and yeah, don't forget uh, about Ricky yeah Ricky um, although he's like twenty first in the world right now but um, he had a good week at, at Kapalua but yeah I mean the thing with Rom like I, I'm. I don't know. I don't get real worked up about the getting frustrated or getting angry stuff. I think, I think that, um, I don't know, man, like it's just, it's sports. Like it is what it is. Now, do I need him like punching down signs at the U S open? Probably not. But if he throws a club or what, I'm just like, whatever. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I don't get worked up about that. Cause I think, and I think part of it, he, he tries to like, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like he tries to take that part out of himself, and it's like that's who he is. You know, that's like part of the deal. And uh, I don't know. I, I just can't get real fired up about that. 
Now, speaking of people getting a little bit fired up, on the 18th hole, or, well, I guess it was uh, on, on the final playoff hole, when Patrick Reed missed a putt, there was a fan who yelled out, as clear as day, <laughs> yelled out, cheater. <laughs> with Patrick Reed. Now, I don't think it had any impact on his putt, but what did you guys, what did you guys think about that moment? Do you think that's something that's just going to follow Patrick Reed for the rest of his career? Uh, sadly, uh, yeah. I wish, uh, you know, I wish folks would show Patrick Reed, and I'm going to say it, some of the grace that they've shown Tiger Woods because, you know, I, I think just a few short years ago, I'd, I'd be at events where, you know, there'd be, 50% of the folks pulling for Tiger and 50% who were pulling to see him crash. And now it looks like the world is on Tiger Woods' side. When when I was at, at Eastlake when he had that victory, and then at the Masters, obviously, but Eastlake, it looked like everybody in Atlanta, Georgia, was pulling for Tiger Woods. And he was playing alongside Rory McIlroy, who's pretty popular himself. Uh, and so I, I'm imagining now when Reed shows up in New York uh, or or somewhere like that, the folks are going to have a field day with him. And, and, and I just... Yes, what he did was wrong. Uh, there's no debating that. But I think folks are going to show a little grace right now. The guy, the guy is trying his best, and I know this is. I know Carl's probably going to disagree with me, but 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 I thought it was out of line what that guy shouted. This is not the Ryder Cup, or this is not the President's Cup. Now this is a PGA Tour event, and and the guys the guys out there playing. All right, Kyle, uh, what do you think? Yeah, so so a couple things here. I I don't disagree. I, that that is out of line, and and I think it's even out of line at a. I don't know it. it it wouldn't even be great at a President's Cup or Ryder Cup. I just I don't love that stuff. Um, I think and and I do, and I agree with you about like having grace for Reed. I think the the problem comes in is it just doesn't feel like there's ever any contrition from him. Doesn't feel like there's ever any like, hey man, I messed up or hey, I shouldn't have done this or you know whatever. It just feels like he always thinks that he's in the right about everything. And I think a person like that is very easy to, to villainize Mm -hmm. in the, in the public sphere, especially in sports. I mean, we see that all the time. And and so I think that's the part, you know how far it would go if he just said like, I don't know if he went on morning drive and was like, Hey, I've done some stuff in the past. I'm really working on it. Like shouldn't have done it, whatever. But he just, he just like leans into the, the, you know, the hate and like everything that's going on. And it's like, I don't know. I just don't know if that's the best way to, to, to handle it. That stuff is his jet fuel. The guy has been the anti-hero ever since he came out of college. Yeah. And, and this stuff, it's like bulletin board material for him. And so I, I feel like if he does that, he might not, it, 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 uh, it would certainly behoove him, you know, in the public domain and, and in, you know, the, the, the public sphere and such. But, He's always just reveled being kind of not the guy, and, and and every great sport. Can you imagine though, if Tiger, if he had to come out, not Tiger, if Reed comes out and he goes, well, what I did was wrong, and I'm contrite, and will everyone please forgive me? The Twitter sphere will go awash with folks saying, oh, he's full of BS, and it's like <laughs> the guy won't be able to win right now. So yeah, all, that's all he, that's that's all true. Can, all he's got to do is play golf, and that's what he does, and he did it well this week, and he's got to try and win tournaments, and he's going to win, and folks are going to hit him, and he's going <laughs> to lose, and folks are going to hit him. It's just the nature of the beast right now. So Patrick Reed's got to just circle the wagons and do his thing. I mean, that's that, that that's sadly how it is. I think – I think. well, I think Go the ahead. thing that – real quick, I think the thing that, that frustrates me more is when we talk about this stuff – and I heard it on the broadcast a little and people on Twitter a little or whatever, but we talk about this stuff as if, uh, as if he's overcoming all this adversity. And it's like, my man, like this was, <laughs> this was self-inflicted. Like, let's not forget that part of it, you know? And, and I get it. I, I get the like fallout from it, but all of that fallout was because A, you did something you shouldn't have done and B, you weren't uh, you, you, there was no remorse there. Like all, all the fallout is because of that. And if there was, first of all, if you hadn't done the thing that you shouldn't have done and B, if there was remorse there, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, there wouldn't be as much adversity to overcome. And so I just don't like it when we address the adversity, but we don't address the root of the adversity and we don't talk about that part of it. You know, it's interesting because when, when Tiger went through his scandal back in 2008, Thanksgiving 2008, he had a huge press conference and he apologized to everybody and it was a real, uh, a real moment for him. And I, I think people, some people were probably still very against him. I think some people it meant a lot to. We saw it with Bryson DeChambeau more recently. He came out, uh, 
about his pace of play and basically said, hey, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to try to become a, a faster player. And some people didn't agree. Some people did agree. But I think the majority of people respond well to uh, to a situation like that. They respond well when people put themselves out there and take ownership for their actions, whether it's right or wrong. They more or less, they respect that because they know that everybody makes mistakes. We all we all do things we're not proud of, and it's the way that you handle it. So, Kyle, I, I agree with you. I think the way Patrick Reed handled the situation probably did him more harm than anything else. But, boy, he does seem to play well with that chip on his shoulder. So I don't know if it's just simply bulletin board material. I don't know if he needs a little bit of fuel like that. But whatever he's doing is working because the guy just he, – he has played, with the exception of the first three matches at the President's Cup, he's just been playing great golf. And I, there's nothing to say that it's not going to continue. Am I right? Yeah, I mean the the on course stuff, like his short game right now, uh I don't know. I mean it's it's I don't know if it's the best in the world. It's it's up there. It's really really good. And uh you know, I I know you can't necessarily like rely on short game week to week, but man, I just I'm so impressed with like his touch around the greens and I mean all the one putts this week. I I I think that that part of his game I don't know. It just doesn't get talked about enough because we're talking about all the other stuff in the right. meantime. So, yeah, he, his, his short game was really impressive this week, and I think it's a little underrated in general. Well, you know what, Carl? You, you make a great point. And the, the thing that he, he has, too, and I, I've been I've been on hand for a few of his victories. I think of the first one at Wyndham, and then I think of the event down at Durrell when he came out afterwards and said to me uh, and then to Todd Lewis, He's like, yeah, I'm a top five player in the world, which was all got the the world buzzing. If you if you would think back just a few years, he he's got a will about him that is that is hard to describe and somewhat hard for me to fathom because golf is difficult. We all know that, but every so often an individual comes along, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, Reed has this to a certain extent where if something has to happen. He finds a way to make it happen, and it's 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 uncanny if you watch him. Like today, he was in the situation, and I found myself thinking back to when Woods was in the prime, when Woods had 15 feet on the 15th hole on Sunday, and you're like, this thing's not missing. And and, and Reed's coming in, and the announce crew are like, well, he's made so many putts, surely he's going to miss at some stage. But the guy just buried everything he was over, except for the final hole. So. He's got that will about him that that is that is a real weapon as well, and 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 I feel like that's part of his arsenal. And that's kind of what goes into having a short game like that. I, I think having when you're when you miss 19 greens over the weekend in regulation, and and you get up and down 17 of those times, there's more than just technique. There's more than just touch. There, that is a a grit and a will and a determination to keep yourself in the tournament. I mean, to miss 19 of 36 greens on greens of that size, and I know the conditions were were really difficult, and I I know all that, but that's a lot of greens to miss, and that's a player that shouldn't be in. A three-way playoff with Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley. It's not a guy that should be beating Patrick Cantlay by three strokes. So, Mark, I think that you bring up a, a wonderful point. He just has a, a grit about him. He has an ability to block out all this, um, Kyle, your favorite word, adversity. He has a way of blocking it all out. And it, it is impressive to watch, you, even though whether it's self-inflicted or not. You have people yelling like that from from the stands. It happened on the 18th hole. I'm sure that wasn't the first time that it happened this week. So you know that he's got – you know that he hears it, uh, and, and it definitely seems to fuel his energy. But, man, what a tournament he played. Yeah, he really did, and I'm really interested to see just kind of the rest of this year how it's handled by uh, players, by him, whether it continues. We saw it, I don't know, kind of off and on with Kutcher last year. I think I think Reed is a lot more divisive than Kutcher just because he has more history with with, with some stuff like this. And so, I, yeah, I mean, I you know, uh, like Ryder Cup, like what, how does it how does it go? Like how does it play out? Uh, how how do how do announcers handle it on the broadcast? I, I don't I don't know how that's going to go, and I think that's one of the uh, maybe the primary off course uh, storyline of of the season. You know, we've got a million on course storylines that are amazing, but that's the one that's uh, you know not golf. Re- I mean, it is golf related, but it's not uh, on course play related necessarily that I'm really intrigued to see how it goes the rest of the year. Do you think he's going to play his way onto the Ryder Cup team? <laughs> you know what? I saw. I just saw the rankings, the updated rankings, 
and he's now projecting to um, to twelfth. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I don't think he will. And not because, just because there's, I mean, the, the, the freaking Ryder Cup and the, even the Olympic stuff, the American side, you're like, man, there's going to be some like legit guys that are, that are left off, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I would not be surprised at all if he did though. And, and if he doesn't, which which it sounds like you're kind of on the edge that he doesn't, is there any chance that Steve Stricker picks him on the team? Uh, I mean, they picked him for the President's Cup, you know, and and it's and that was like less than 12 months after he kind of burned down all the stuff in in Paris, and and everything came out with like him and Spieth, and you know, so I, yeah, I mean, I think there is a chance, but I I don't know, it, it's I think it's certainly less than there was this year for the President's Cup. I, to me, a lot depends on what happens through the rest of the year. If he can go through this year without any of these uh, off-course issues or, or on-course issues, if he can go through without any rules violations or any uh, quote-unquote conduct unbecoming, then I think he does have a chance. Because I, I think in the Ryder Cup, different, a little bit different than the President's Cup, I think the Americans are desperate. I, I think we are desperate to get a victory at Whistling Straits. So to me, they're going to take Steve Stricker and, and his vice captains and, and the task force and whoever is involved in this decision they're going to take the 12 best players they can to uh to wisconsin to try to win mark do you have any thoughts on this yeah well if it stays like it is tiger woods is in the team he's currently fifth so they won't have to burn a pick on tiger woods so right now as it's projecting uh webb is ninth kisner's 10th Finau is 11th and reed is 12th uh, ricky's 13th and Spieth is 14th and beyond that you've got Revy and Jim Furyk and company so Jim uh, Furyk yeah, uh, yeah exactly so uh, it's um, <laughs> I, uh, I you'll they, they've got their team figured out you know as I, as I watch the American unit working and I don't know I've not been in the team room but it looks like they know who their people are and they're trying to build continuity and, and as much as what there was a debacle down in Melbourne um, last year is Reed's part of the crew and, and, and you saw his teammates for better or for worse, you know, hang in there with him, which is what team people do. So I, I don't know what's going to transpire, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the lineup. Well, guys, uh, what, what a start to the, the 2020 PGA Tour season. It's been exciting to talk about, and I'm, I'm sure many of these storylines will develop as we continue forward throughout the year. Uh, even later on into this week, we can dive a little bit deeper into some of these stories as we get ready for the, the rest of the 2020 PGA Tour season. So I, I want to thank you both for joining me this evening. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening, and it, it's been a it's been a great start to the year again. I, I can't emphasize it enough. So um so this will be the end of the show for today. But as we go, as I said, we're going to get into this stuff a whole lot more. So much to talk about. Make sure you stick around. And if you enjoyed what you heard today on the first cut, make sure you give us a, a five-star rating and leave a nice review for us if you if you wish. So uh, I'm Greg Ducharme. You can hear me on Twitter at the Real GFD. I'm also joined by Kyle Porter and, and Mark Immelman. And you can get them both on Twitter as well, at Kyle Porter, CBS, and at Mark underscore Immelman. Thank you so much for joining me. See you next time. Thanks, Greg.